I trust that was an encouraging time of worship for you today. We're in week number two of our series called A New Normal, because the fact is things aren't normal compared to what it used to be. But it's beginning to get normal, and we're recognizing that we can't go back to how things were. And in fact, in a lot of cases, we don't want to go back to how things were. And not that things were terrible before, but we have an opportunity to look at our life, at the pace of our life, of the things that we invest in, and we have the opportunity right now to build a new normal for ourselves and for our family. And that is a positive thing to move towards. We want to see things and we want to change things, and we want to have the right information to make decisions on. As we start off this message today, I I was reminded of a story that I read that happened in September of 2018. The, the police in Maryland ha- had found or had gotten a tip about a drug dealer that they were looking for and they found out that he was in a specific house and so they went and they got the warrant, they made the plan and they, that night they were going to go into the house and they were going to get the bad guy. And, and as they got there and, and the team was lined up and they were breaching into the front door, they had problems getting the front door open. They couldn't get through and they were banging on it, trying to get through. And as they were, a shotgun blast fired through the door at the police officers. Now it's already an intense moment as you can imagine, but as soon as someone is shooting at police officers, everything changes. And while they're taking care of one of the wounded officers and they're still trying to get through the door, one of the police officers did something that's common but almost feels unnecessary. He gave the verbal command, put down your weapon, it's the police. And that doesn't ever work. They're already shooting at you. Why would you bother saying that? Like criminals don't listen to instructions like that. But he said it anyway, but it was a good thing that he did because it wasn't a criminal that was shooting at them. It was just a dad who thought someone was breaking into their house, trying to protect his kids. Because what happened was, the information that was given to the police was wrong. And there's no drug dealer, there was no criminal in this house, there was just a dad and his daughter that he thought he was protecting. And as soon as he found out it was the police banging through the front door, he put his gun down and said, don't hurt my daughter, she's in here with me. The information that we act on It's critically important that we have good information. It's critically important for the police department. It's critically important for the person who's inside our house. It's critically important that when we do something in our life, it doesn't matter how good our intention was or our action was, if we don't have information, it can put a spin on the situation that makes it very destructive. And so the things that are driving our decisions, we have to make sure that we're testing the information that we have. So when we take a step, it's not destructive to us or to someone else because the information we're acting on is good information. Right now, I'm not talking about Fox News. I'm not talking about CNN. I'm not talking about the person on your social media feed who refers to other people as sheeple. I'm not talking about those information sources. I'm really talking about a lot of the information that that happens in the background of your heart, of your soul, of your mind that you don't even realize is there, but it's guiding your actions in a way that can be very destructive if there's things that are not true hidden under the surface. There's things about the way that you see the world that might need to experience healing so that you can see the world in a more accurate way. There's things about the way that you see your spouse, your friends, even the church, even God himself. There's things that you don't see clearly right now. 
There's information that you've accepted that might not be accurate. And that's really the heartbeat of what today is. We're continuing on our series, A New Normal, and we're going back to our theme passage, which I want to bring back to you and we'll put up on the screen right here from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 23 and 24. And we studied the first portion of this last week. If you didn't get to watch that video yet, go back and watch it um, later this week. But we're going to continue into the next part of this series. And this verse says, Now may the God of peace make you holy in every way, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. God will make this happen for he who calls you is faithful. We bring verse 23 back up for me. I want to direct your attention to the first portion of this verse where, where we see make you holy in every way. And I went into this some last week, but I want to make sure that I just visit a little bit of this because this sets up the, the whole foundation of what we're going to build on. When we read make you holy in every way, sometimes we read that as saying make you boring in every way or make you a rule follower in every way. And what I want you to understand is that when scripture says God wants to make you holy in every way, you could read this as God wants to make you whole in every way. He wants you to experience healing in every way. He wants you to be healthy in every way. He wants you to be happy in every way. He wants you to be fulfilled in every way because that is what really sums up the concept of holiness, but we've attributed holiness to being something that is sacred that we're not allowed to touch, like that, that it's beyond the common person. But God calls us to be holy, and in scripture what holy means is to be set apart. That's the literal word-for-word definition of what holiness really means. It means set apart. That we were for one use, but God has made us holy, and he's making us holy, and he's moving our purpose. Our purpose is not what it used to be. It's been changed. And when God says he wants to make you holy in every way, that is healthier, that is happier, that is more fulfilled, more on the purpose that he has moved your life into. And when we understand that aspect of what holiness looks like, that it's more like wholeness than some religious thing that, that we can't really grasp or get our mind around, that, that it's something about being healthier. Okay, we understand, yes, God, I would like to be healthier in every way. I, I would like to be more whole in every way. And so then it starts, and it started with spirit, which is what we studied last week about what it means to have a healthy spirit. And today we're getting into what it means to have a healthy soul. Because once again, soul is one of those terms that it's a little nebulous. Like we don't really have a grasp of, okay, what is a soul? The, the Greek word that we find in the New Testament for soul is actually, it's pr in, in Greek we'd pronounce it suke, but we, we kind of say it in English, psyche. And that it's the same spelling, it's the same word, this, this idea of psyche. And so when we see scripture saying, God wants to make your psyche holy in every way, what, what does that get into? Well, when we think of psyche, we understand, okay, that's kind of like our emotions, that, that's kind of um, our intellect, that, that's that mental part of us that isn't really tangible, that can't be felt, but we understand this whole part of our mind and our heart and our affections. That is all what scripture wraps up when it's talking about our soul. And to start with, and the two pieces that I really want to look at today is allowing God to make our intellect holy and our emotions holy. And you might say, okay, how does God make my intellect holy? Or why does that even 
matter? Well, uh, you'll understand pretty quickly because the way that we think, man, it drives so much of who we are. And, And philosophers, as well as theologians who've studied scripture, they've come to this conclusion that our thoughts are so incredibly important. I want to show you this quote from James Allen in 1912. I mean, this, this has been talked about for a long time. He wrote, as a man thinks, so he is. Pay attention to this. As he continues to think, so he remains. The, the way that you think and the way that you allow concepts to just grab a hold of your, your mind and your thought life, it directs the way your life will go. The things that you allow to stay in there, they're, they're going to change the type of person you are and the type of person that you're becoming. Our thoughts are incredibly important. Our thoughts are incredibly important. In counseling sessions with couples, one of the statements that just always comes up when someone's trying to strengthen their marriage and they're talking with each other in a way that they haven't talked for a long time, this statement will inevitably be made in some form. I didn't think that bothered you. I didn't think that was a problem. And years and years of actions that occurred over and over because of their thinking, it directed their behaviors, which then impacted their relationships. But I thought it was okay. The other person says, no, that is obviously not okay. But it's all about what's happening in our head. And as we think about something, we'll continue to act. And if we don't change our thinking, we'll continue to just live in that behavior. And I want to tell you, I want to warn you, I want you to understand and see this. That until we let God begin to reshape some of our thinking according to his word, our default position is always going to be these destructive mindsets and behaviors and, and thought patterns. It's ingrained in this. In Romans chapter 8, verse 7, it says it this way. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. And I want you to see a couple things from this passage. First, the concept, the mind governed by the flesh. This might be a weird thing, but there is a system of thinking that exists within your soul, within your mind, that that controls the output. Like it's governing the way that you think, the way that you see the world, your your idea of what the world is like, your worldview, as some philosophers like to call it. You have a system that governs everything. And by default, it's the flesh. And by default, the flesh is hostile to God. Okay, that, you know, we know, okay, it's not good to be hostile to God. But what does it mean when, when something's hostile to God or hostile to God's law? What it means is that's leading us towards destructive behaviors. Behaviors that destroy our relationships, our marriages, our family relationships, our workplace, even our own bodies. When we are living in this mindset that, that is destructive... It's going to cause chaos in, chaos in all of those places. And so the, the thing that we need to begin to transform is what is governing our mind? Not just the flesh, but the word of God and the spirit of God. We need to allow him to begin to change the way that we think. Because the way that we think about something, it changes the way that we interact with it. If I think people are just here to serve me and take care of me, and they're supposed to get out of my way and do the things that I want them to do, that's going to change the way that I treat them. 
If I see people as they are created in the image of God, they, they are children of God. If they are lost and problematic, God still loves them and he wants them found and he wants me to use my position in their life to influence and help them. If I see them that way, it's gonna change the way that I treat them. If I think about them that way, it's gonna change the way that I respond to them. The way that we think about something, it changes the way that we interact with it. Dave Ramsey's famous for saying this, that if you show me your checkbook, I'll show you your priorities. The way you think about your life, it changes the way that you spend your money. It changes the way that you spend your time. It changes what you invest yourself into. The way that you think matters deeply, and I want you to understand very clearly, this is not a call to stop thinking. That's not what this is. I mean, I believe that all truth is God's truth. I love asking questions. I love figuring out things that, that are hard to understand. This is not a call to stop thinking. This is a call to start thinking more. Because I believe as you try to understand your faith more, you try to understand how God wants to see the world more, that it is going to build up your life. It's gonna build up your marriage. It's gonna build up your faith. It's gonna be good for you. We need more thinking, not less, but we need thinking that is going to drive us towards good outcomes rather than destructive ones. We need to take hold of thought patterns that are destructive and allow them to be renewed by the word of God and see that change the way that our mind works. In fact, if you're looking to encourage your mind and your critical thinking and your understanding of the faith, some of you guys might know the name Ravi Zacharias and some of you won't, but this is a guy who's worth looking up on YouTube. He's a dearly loved Christian speaker who defends the faith. He debates with other people who are critical towards the faith, and he does so in, in this beautiful, humble ma manner. He's really easy to listen to, and, and he just makes difficult things to understand simple. And he's someone that if you listen to him, it's gonna encourage your mind, it's gonna encourage your thinking. If there's doubts and questions that you'd like answered, look up on YouTube Ravi Zacharias and put in whatever it is that you want more information about, and I bet there's gonna be a video pops up and man, it would help you this week to listen to him. We need to inject things into our life that are helping the way that we think. And we need to take hold of thoughts that are destructive and we need to move them out because, you know, kind of the country-ism is if it ain't paying no rent, it don't get to stay here. Like, like if this thought isn't helpful, if it's not helping me in the way that I live my life, like it needs to get evicted. And we have actually an outline of the things that we should let in our minds in Philippians chapter four, verse eight. I'm gonna put this up on the screen so you can see it. And this is a beautiful filter for you to work through your mind as you're going through your day. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. I mean, this is the filter for what we should be putting through our mind. Whatever is true. I love focusing in on that section because we need to figure out what is true. And when you have doubts and questions, you should search them out, not be afraid of them. And we need to analyze. I mean, this is what this, there, there's a underlying presupposition to this passage. And that's that you should be thinking about what you think about. Because if you're gonna apply this filter, you first have to stop and kind of analyze, what am I thinking about through the day? Does it fit inside of this? Because if it doesn't fit in this, I need to eject those thoughts. I need to remove them. 
And when we begin to examine our mind, and this is how we get healthier in this area, I have two points for today. The first one is simply this, examine and study what is on your mind every day. Now I say examine because you need to recognize, do I have thought patterns that are staying with me through weeks and months? Because sometimes if I allow those things to stay and they are not helping me, they're, they're not paying rent in my life, those need to get evicted. And I say study because if there's a question that's on your heart, study it. As you seek after God, he's gonna reveal himself to you. We have no fear of questions. We have no fear of wanting answers. And so study it because if it's on your mind, man, many times God will put something on our mind and a question in our soul because he wants us to understand it better for ourselves and so that he can use us as a witness in someone else's life. And I say we need to do it every day because as we study any topic every day, it's gonna help us grow. I mean, how logical is it that we should look and say, I'm growing every day by studying something, studying God's word, studying what, what is written by listening to a speaker. There's so many resources available to you from podcasts and YouTube, uh, just even Christian music, finding songs that speak about something and it speaks into those situations. There's so many ways for you to grow intellectually every day but we haven't been. So the easy thing is just to look and say, okay, what's on my head today? Like, what, what is on my heart? Like, okay, right now there's things in my marriage and I'm concerned about my marriage. Well, if you're concerned about your marriage, take action in your marriage by studying how to make it better. If you're concerned about a family member and you're concerned about a behavior that they're into, then study and learn. What does God's word say about what's happening? How can I help someone in that situation heal? Study. Let's be a people who, who are studying what God's word teaches us about how to live our life, about what we should be thinking, because what we think guides our actions. And we need to do this on an everyday basis. It changes the way that we live and it's part of our soul, our intellect. And so if God has called us to be holy in our soul. Our intellect is part of that, and that is how we make it holy. The, the next part is our emotions. And man, I know, like some of you husbands are like, oh, I'm so glad he's talking about getting emotions healthy because this chick over here. No, 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 this is for you, not just her, all right? We apply sermons to ourselves, not to other people. Do not tag somebody else in this sermon online. Tag yourself, nobody else, all right? Um, so, Emotions, like one of the things I was reminded of was this funny thing that happened in college. I'm gonna grab a guitar real quick. I remember I, it was my freshman year of college and uh, I, I was one of the judges for a talent show. And there was this girl who got up on stage and she just started like finger picking the guitar. And she told us this amazing story about this hike she went on with her dad. And she's like, I don't really like hiking. And so like my dad dragged me through it. As I was going the mountain, like I fell a couple times and skinned my elbows and it started to rain and I begged him to go home. But I knew it was important to my dad and he asked me to keep going. And when we got to the top of the mountain, it cleared up and she saw this eagle. And when she saw the eagle, and she was with her dad. It was just this incredible moment. And so she wrote this song about the eagle. And we were all just so like sucked into her moment and her story and her experience with her dad. And she said, and this is the song. And she walked off the stage. 
and our emotions were like so dialed into this moment and expecting this like deep emotional connection with her dad through the song and the eagle and the mountaintop. And we were all just like, we don't know if we should laugh or if we should boo or if we should clap. But it was like our emotions pulled us to this place that we shouldn't have gone to. And, it's, and it happens in so many different ways. Like it doesn't just happen there, but we know there's so many times where it's like our emotion brings us somewhere that we think we should be, but once we get there, we recognize, I should not be feeling this way. Like this is not the appropriate way for me to feel in this moment. Like my emotions have led me astray. And it's a truth that you know. I'm gonna put this guitar down. And it's a truth that you should know, that our emotions shouldn't play the role of leading our life. But our emotions are there for a reason. And they do have a purpose. And they are healthy. Do you recognize that through scripture, we learn very clearly that emotions are felt by God? That that God loves. That that he is jealous at times. That he is angry at times. That that he is grieved at times. That he, he is overjoyed and sings over us with dancing and rejoicing. That emotions are felt by God. And so the emotions aren't inherently wrong. But when we allow emotions to be felt or to have control over us in a way that it shouldn't be there, that's the problem. Jealousy isn't always good, but sometimes it is. Anger isn't always good, but sometimes it is. There are things that are unjust that we should have anger about that should prompt us towards action and fixing it in our world. Emotions are there for a reason, but they shouldn't be in control of us. It's unhealthy to lose a loved one and act like nothing happened. It's unhealthy to feel alone and isolated and stay there for months upon months without getting or seeking some sort of help. It's unhealthy to try to be in an emotional state that you're not in, but it's unhealthy to stay in one that you know is destructive. Our emotions should be felt, but they shouldn't be in control of us. And I always try to be transparent. You know, today is one of those days where I'm navigating this. One of my childhood friends who who was family to us just passed away. And he's two years older than me. He has a daughter who's two years older than my oldest daughter. And And it's hard. And it hurts. And it's been hard to sleep. And right now, that's, that's how I should feel because he was important. And he was loved. And it was too early for his life to end. But last night, I was so thankful that his mom, through the grieving, um, sent me a message and asked me to call her. And just getting to talk with her was so good. It was so healing. I mean, there was still grieving happening there and there still is grieving happening in me. But it's part of God's design that when we're hurting, that we're supposed to reach out to each other. And specifically, in the realm of having healthy emotions, this isn't something that you can fix alone. It's something that God is supposed to be involved in and the church is supposed to be involved in. There should be someone that you trust that you can bring into your situation and talk with. And so, just, just as I said, there's an everyday action for making our, health, our intellect healthier. There's an everyday action for making our emotions get to a healthier place as well. And I want to say, say it like this. Connect with God and others every day. 
when our emotions feel like they're taking control, when something legitimately difficult happens and it weighs our life down, these two pieces are so important. First, starting with God, because he has the power to heal. He has the power to comfort. His spirit can carry us through incredibly hard situations. And I wanna say that when he carries us through a hard situation, it isn't that he carries us through it as if it didn't happen, but he gives us the strength we need to grieve. He gives us the strength to make it through and work through the anger. He gives us the strength that we need for that situation, not to pretend like the situation didn't happen. We have to connect with God and we have to connect with others. We weren't meant to do life alone. And church isn't something that we do in a building, it's something that we are. And you need the church, you need the people, you need the relationships in your life. Connect with God and others. Look at this, every day. I'm a guy and I think that this, this is one of my struggles is that I have to recognize and admit that I need other people's help in my life every day. I need other men in my life every day that are encouraging me and helping me live my life for God. And when it comes to getting emotionally healthy, this is the simple step. Our emotions are meant to help us and not hurt us. We, we will walk through seasons of difficulty and we will walk through seasons of joy and they are meant to help us in this experience of life. But if you feel like they have been pulling you in the wrong direction, man, this is the time to bring someone from the church around you. And you can get in contact with me at paulgulfsidechurch.com. You can send us a message through the Facebook or YouTube. And we wanna make sure that you have people around you. And when we take what's happening in our intellect and the things that we're thinking about, the things that we're letting run through our mind on a regular basis, and we make those holy and we have thoughts that are scriptural, we have a view that is biblical because of the, the things that we think, and we pair that with a healthy emotion that, that we're feeling things that are accurate, we're, we're not letting our emotions drive our behavior, but we're understanding our emotions should be felt in healthy ways. And when something feels emotionally out of balance, that that's showing us there's something in our life that we need to fix, when we, we pair those two skills together, it gives us a stronger will. Because we can know that I need to get up and go to the gym in the morning. And, and we can feel like, okay, uh, I would like to stay in bed emotionally. I, I would like to stay here. When we pair those things and we have to balance them against each other, it really creates what we know is our will. When our feelings versus our thoughts butt up against each other and then decisions are made, that's what we talk about when we say our will to act and do things. And you may not have your emotions exactly where you want them to be, but if you begin to change your thoughts, then it's like your will will improve. Even if your thoughts aren't where they're supposed to be, but you change the way you feel about the things that are going around in your life and you, and you repair your emotions, your will will be improved. And it's easy enough to say, okay, using the gym as an example, but you know, when it comes to eating healthy, for those who have uh, problems and battles with anorexia or bulimia, or, or if you're, you're fighting uh, just to get your body healthy, the way that you feel about it and the way that you think about it matters. If you're fighting for your marriage, the way that you think about your spouse and the way that you feel about your spouse, those are both separately important things, but as you improve one, it will help improve the other. 
in all of the areas of our, our life, when it comes to our heavenly father, what we think about him and what we feel about him, they are individual things, but they will influence each other and they will influence our ability to act and live. And that gets played out in our will. In our intellect and in our emotions, they are so crucially important to changing our behaviors and our will. And it's so easy to get started. We try to make it complicated, but I wanna tell you, it's just this simple. To begin to do these two things that I talked about, examining and studying what is on your mind every day, understanding what's there, balancing it against scripture, studying to get better in those areas, that's something that's easy to do every day. And to connect with God and connect with other people every day, we know it's so easy to do, but man, there's just this hurdle that we have to get over. It's easy to send a text, but it's emotionally difficult for some reason. It's easy to just shoot off a of one line, what did you read in scripture today to a friend that you know is trying to read in scripture, but it's challenging because we know that means I have to have something to say back. Just get started. The way that you think about it, you can change it. The way that you feel about it, you have influence over it. And that will change your actions and that will change your life. And I'll tell you, God wants to see you holy in all of these ways. He wants to see you healthy in all of these ways. He wants to see you whole in all of these ways. And our Heavenly Father doesn't just love you, He's not just faithful, but He said, My hand will be in on this process. I want to remind you of what verse 24 said in 1 Thessalonians 5. God will make this happen. For he who calls you is faithful. I believe that God is calling you. I believe he's calling you to be holy, to be healthy, to be whole. And he's faithful. But he asks you to take the step of obedience. So make the commitment. Make the decision. Seek after holiness. And your God is going to meet you right where you are.